Good morning to you, Providence. Welcome. We are glad you are here. If you're a guest with us this morning, we say good morning to you. My name's Dave, one of the pastors here, and it's a joy uh, to see you. Hope you've had a good week. Uh, if you have a Bible, let's take those out. If you don't have one, <clears throat> there's some under the seat there, and uh, we'll be on page 528 this morning. And uh, if you need a Bible, you can take that as a gift from us. But we are uh, excited that you are here with us this morning. Now, let me go ahead and say, before we dive in, uh, I know today in the world of sports, uh, there's quite a bit going on, both at Wimbledon as well as the World Cup. And so the uh, 11 o'clock service will probably be a bit smaller, but uh, we'll encourage them. Hopefully they'll live stream it as well as watch the game. But uh, we're excited. I'm excited for Croatia, who's going to take it all. But um, okay then. <clears throat> But let me give you some, uh, let me give you some context uh, really fast, okay? <clears throat> As we think about this um, pretty amazing event taking place. But let's get some context. So here's the context, right? A soccer ball, you think about it, uh, weighs uh, right at 16 ounces, close to a pound, right? And today, estimation is probably a billion will watch uh, in some capacity uh, around the world, um, this 16-ounce ball, back and forth for 90 minutes and maybe one score. <laughs> I enjoy soccer. Don't get me wrong. Just giving you context, so stay with me, okay? Then thousands, not millions of eyes will be upon another ball that uh, weighs two ounces. <laughs> two ounces, right? Two ounces, and it'll go... back and forth, over a net, inside some white lines. Wow, okay. I enjoy tennis, don't get me wrong. <laughs> enjoy tennis as well. But then think about, think about this for just a moment. The world. The world weighs 13, 170, and I don't know how to pronounce the rest of it, right? 21 zeros, 21 zeros behind it, pounds. And God's word says, for in Christ, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. He says in Hebrews that Christ upholds the universe, not just the world, the universe by the word of his power. <laughs> Two ounces? 16 ounces? Christ holding up the world by his word. So I'm suggesting to you today, in light of great sporting events, which I will participate in and watch, that the greatest event, the greatest event taking place today in our world is the gathering of God's 
people to listen to his word and worship his son. Oh, listen, listen, because I believe Ephesians chapter three says that the manifold wisdom of God is on display in the church. So the church, the people of God, when they gather week in and week out, every Sunday, God's not just wisdom, but manifold wisdom, the multi-varied variations of diversity, meaning that he takes people of every race, color, people of every background. He redeems them by the blood of his son. And then he puts them together in a room to be unified and they sing to his son. This, this is the greatest event that will take place today in this world. People being redeemed, coming and worshiping. And it says the manifold wisdom of God is on display. So if God's wisdom is on display with his people gathering together, oh, it beckons the question, does it not? How then do we receive this wisdom? How do we taste of this type of wisdom that's on display when the church gathers together? Who is ready? Who is ready to receive this type of wisdom from God's word? Oh, Proverbs. Proverbs. Tremendous, tremendous book. And we're continuing this study of it, right? One theologian and author named Tim Keller says this about this book, Proverbs. He says, he says, Proverbs calls us to study, to think to learn the practical discipline of centering all of our thoughts and actions on God. Indeed, he says, one of the main messages of Proverbs is you've never really thought enough about anything. Let that land on you. In his comparison of Psalms and Proverbs, he said, if the Bible was a medicine cabinet, Psalms would be the ointment put on inflamed skin to calm it. And Proverbs would be like smelling salts to startle you into alertness. Proverbs is a poetic art form, he says, that instills wisdom in you as you wrestle with it. And so may we wrestle with it this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you would teach us this morning. We ask that you would open our eyes to see, to see in a chaotic culture that perceives wisdom in one way and inundates our minds and hearts and affections week in and week out. God, would you help us to grasp, grasp how to receive this 
God, if wisdom is calling to us and you have painted a, a pathway to it and promises with that pathway, then God, help us to be people ready to receive this wisdom. To live a life not only good, but one that glorifies your son, Jesus. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Proverbs chapter 3, page 528 in the Bible under the chair. If you don't have one, Proverbs chapter 3. If you're new to Christianity or you're exploring Christianity, we're so grateful that you're with us. This is what we do. We just walk through passages. If you're not sure how to find it or follow along, the larger number you'll see is a 3. That's the chapter. The smaller number is the verse. And this is what I'm going to read. The smaller number 5. I'll start there. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Providence, this morning we are in deep need of wisdom. And yet, most of the time we want to receive it. We want to receive it as an Amazon Prime customer. (laughs) We, We want it quick. We want to be able to Google it and get it as fast as possible. And that's just not the way it works, right? It's a journey with God. It's walking with God. It's more like the, the health craze that's taking place right in our culture, right? Everything's going organic. Everyone is uh, shopping at Whole Foods or somewhere looking for that label, organic, trying to be healthy, taking some essential oils and rubbing them, just trying to get healthy, right? And yet, right, you don't wake up one morning and, and, and take a uh, look at the meal chart to make sure the proteins and the veggies are lining up. Go to the gym and at the end of the day, you drop 25. That's not the way that works. It's a journey. It's a process. And so it is with wisdom and receiving it. And so last two weeks ago, as we started this series, we really looked at wisdom calling. It's calling out to us. And last week we looked at this, there's a pathway to it. And God makes these promises as we're on this pathway and walking toward it. And today, I just want to show you simply two truths about those who receive. If it's calling, and there's a pathway, then, then who are those that receive this wisdom, this guidance from God? Two truths this morning. The first one is this. Receiving God's wisdom. So receiving God's wisdom requires trusting Christ and turning from self-reliance. Receiving God's wisdom requires trusting Christ and turning from self-reliance. We see it in verse five, says trust in the Lord. So, So receiving this wisdom from God ultimately starts with receiving redemption in Christ. It's taking him at his word. It's saying, I believe on Christ. I'm throwing myself upon God once, once to be justified, 
That means to be made right. That's the point in time where you place your faith in Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection and what he's accomplished that we could not accomplish. That's justification. So that's being made right with God. And then as you're walking with God, as you're growing in God, it's, it's called sanctification. It's mean being set apart in a sense, but it's a daily trust. You're trusting even there as you're walking with him. I love the way Proverbs ends in chapter 30. There's a, a student that's studying probably under Solomon, studying this, this wisdom. And, and he comes to this point uh, in his life. And it's fascinating words because it's, a, it's really a prophetic word that's pointing to the wise one himself, Jesus. But listen to Proverbs 30 written years and years, hundreds of years before Christ came. And this is this Agur is, is this sage, in a sense, this student of Solomon. And he writes this. He says, the man declares, I am weary. Oh God, I am weary. Oh God, I'm, and I'm worn out. Surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One who has ascended to heaven and come down. Who is this one? Who has ascended? Who has come down? Who has gathered the wind in his fist? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name? Surely you know. Oh, oh, do we know? Oh, do we know? For the Son of God Himself, I believe, quoting some of the words from this proverb hundreds of years later in John chapter 3, confronting a religious leader who's trusting in self righteous works that will not save you but will wear you out, <laughs> says it like this No one, no one is ascending into heaven except. He who descended from heaven, the son of man. And then it goes on to say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Listen, if, if wisdom is calling out and he's made a path and those who receive it trust, they trust, they, they turn from self-reliance. Notice in verse five, it says, do not lean on your own understanding. Now, what does this word lean mean? It, it, it doesn't mean to lean up against the wall where some of the weight's up against the wall and some's on the feet. It means to literally lie on the bed. It means to lean completely in, right? Years ago, before I had any wisdom, I used to love doing stupid things like jumping out of a plane, parachuting and all kinds of crazy stuff. So I'm in Orlando at a meeting. This is before I was married, by the way. Uh, I was down there and there's this cool machine that's really high in the air. It's called a, a sky coaster. And what a sky coaster is, is, is where you lay down in a harness where you're fully suspended, right? So I'll show you this pic right here real quick. So you're completely leaning into the, the harness. And then you'll notice there's a couple of cables, right? There's one going back and there's one going up. And the one going back is connected to a single pole that's really, really high. And it pulls you backwards all the way up. 
right? And then you're at the top, you're hundreds of feet in the air. I'm in Orlando doing this, getting ready to fly out over the highway, right? Not the wisest thing. And then you release it and you go flying through the air. It's a blast, trust me. If you get hurt doing this, don't call me. But it's, it's an incredible, right? So, so you see what looks like a bird out to the right. That's actually a person in the harness, right? And, and you fly out over, but your body weight, you're fully leaning into the harness to hold you. I mean, I put all of my trust in that harness when I did this. And this is what the writer of Proverbs is telling us. Listen, put all of it Don't lean up against God. Lean into him with your everything that you have. All of your heart, all of your soul. He says, notice what the text says. He says, do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways. So twice he says all. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then verse six, he says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all of your ways. So, so think about this, right? This is really what I like to think of as a God-centeredness, right? This is hobbies and vocation and vacation and, and relationships and everything. He, he desires that, that there's a God-centeredness to our lives where, where we're, we're leaning, where we're trusting him in everything. It's interesting, the word, right? He says, to, to acknowledge him. Now let's unpack that for a moment, right? Because when I was growing up in a small town in Virginia, which I absolutely loved that experience, right? There was a simplicity to it. Uh, there was a lot of fun to it. We, I worked hard on a farm uh, during the summers. We'd start 5.30, 6 in the morning, go to 7 or 8 till it was done. But we would, uh, we would, at lunchtime, we would go down to a small little pond and we would fish, right? That doesn't happen a lot in Raleigh, right? During lunchtime where you can go fish and uh, we'd catch a couple of bass and pull them in, throw them back, take a nap on the back of the truck uh, and then go back to work and go, go hard at it. But one of the things that we did, most of my friends... And I, we all had pickup trucks. I had a 1966 Chevy pickup truck, paid 400 bucks for it. It was beautiful. And I had three on the column with the clutch and, uh, and it, it didn't run it over 45. Didn't want to blow the engine up, but, but it ran awesome, <clears throat> right? And so, so the, when we rode around town, right? And all my other boys in the town, they had pickup trucks. We would acknowledge each other. And the way we acknowledged each other, our hand would be on the steering wheel like this, Right? And, and when you rode by, you just one finger up, right? The right finger, the, the index finger. Okay, I'll stay with this. Some of y'all messed up. This one. Right, so we just, we ride around. And we just, man, it's just, but that said so much to each other. We knew what that said. That, that just said, what's up, man? I saw you. I know you. You're my boy. We're going to get together this weekend. Yeah, it, just so, it just so much, right? It was just a little, just a little simple wave. That spoke, if you didn't, if you didn't, man, you're something wrong. He's mad at me, right? right? But otherwise, it's just, just a simple acknowledge, right? But listen, listen, right? You, you don't find wisdom and receive wisdom waving at God. Right? No, no, you, you lean into God. You, you give your heart. You trust him with everything. You acknowledge him, <clears throat> not just when you go by him. You acknowledge him 
day in, day out. This is what he desires. Listen. He says to trust. To trust, to surrender. It's amazing this week. Our eyes, all of our eyes, in a sense, have been fixed, right, on Thailand and and the cave where these boys were rescued. One diver lost his life. Yet that picture, I just constantly thought the Spirit of God was just bringing to mind. There's so many pictures of the gospel in that rescue, right? They're in a dark cave. They can't get out. Much like our own lives, we're in a dark cave of sin. We can't rescue ourselves. Someone has to come in. And it's fascinating how they came in and they didn't just say, now here's the path out. They actually carried them out in front, behind, carrying the oxygen tank, rescuing them, right? This is what God has done. He has come into the darkness of our caves and and he has not just given us an oxygen tank, he's carried the oxygen tank. He's carried us and delivered us out of sin. He has freed us. Acts 17 says that he gives us breath. We move and exist and have our being because of God himself. Oh, listen, trust him. Acknowledge him. But let me, let me give you two quick areas and try to unpack it quickly of where trusting God to receive wisdom, wanting to receive it can be challenging. It can be extremely challenging in these two areas. And the first area is this, is success. So think with me for just a moment. If, if the spotlight is on you because of your success, success, right? it fuels a self-reliance. It just fuels this self-reliance where we're tempted to run to the mirror and bask in our own presence and, and to receive wisdom. What happens is you begin to move away from wisdom. You begin to move away from, from God's relying upon him, you start to rely upon yourself. If you're not gospel mind, if you're not acknowledging God in success, you will become your own God. If you're not trusting God in success, you will begin to trust in you and yourself. And that's just why he's saying, don't lean on your own understandings. Because there's a temptation when we've done things right and people applaud it, right? And the spotlight comes and it begins to shine brighter around you. There's a temptation to acknowledge yourself over God. And the gospel's freeing. This is where the gospel is so freeing in success because as you enjoy success in, in whatever field it is, right? Work or job, sports, what, what art, whatever it may be, you enjoy some success. The gospel frees you up by reminding you that you've been accepted and loved by God, that you don't need the applause of one, 10 or hundreds of people. You have the eyes of God on you and it frees you up. Now watch this. It frees you up what I believe for you to actually enjoy success more when you're trusting God in success. Because what happens is if you're not trusting and acknowledging God and success comes, it's, it's not gonna satisfy you. It won't satisfy your heart and you'll crave it. You'll love that moment, that height moment, right? And, and then the next day you'll look for it again. And the next day you'll look for it again. But if you're in Christ, if you're trusting, acknowledging God in success, what it does, it frees you to have capacities to enjoy success rightly 
and then continue walking and not get worn out trying to get more. But the second area where it can be challenging to receive wisdom where you would be tempted to to be wise in your own eyes is suffering. And let's think about this for the moment. If there's no spotlight, if there's there's clouds of darkness and it's and it's fueling doubt, we're, we're tempted, we're tempted to run from God. We're, we're tempted to run from him and, and just, just be encouraged this morning, Providence family. Listen, those dark clouds, right? They cast, yes, they cast shadows over you, but when a shadow hits you, shadows don't hurt you, right? When shadows hit you, they don't hurt you. And dark clouds, just be reminded, dark clouds oftentimes has rain in it that's coming to bring life. And behind those dark clouds is oftentimes bright, bright sunlight. Right behind them. Right behind them. And so in suffering, no, there's a temptation, right? There's a temptation to not trust God, to not acknowledge God. And I encourage you, look, trust him. Even when you go through the valley of the shadow of death. Two weeks ago, I did a funeral of a 75-year-old woman and read this Psalm 23 at her funeral. And it was a beautiful picture of being able to just really look at what is this shadow of the, the valley of the shadow of death, right? See, the valley of the shadow of death literally means that death serves as a shadow now because who, who got hit by the full cloud of darkness of God's wrath was Christ on a cross. And so when, <clears throat> when the darkness of that cloud hit him on the cross, right, it means that only the shadow is cast for you and I to experience and go under and go through. But when shadows hit you, they don't hurt you. They're momentary. When you can trust him and not run from him, you can acknowledge him. Yes, it's hard. I'm not downplaying suffering at all. I'm trying to give you perspective to trust him. Notice Proverbs 24, 14 says this. Know that wisdom is such <clears throat> to your soul. If you find it, there will be a future and your hope will not be cut off. Listen, wisdom grows in the garden of faith and trust. It grows in the garden of trusting him. And so deep trust, right? It, it moves us to depend on him in everything. And there's a hope that will not be cut off from you. But notice secondly, that receiving God's wisdom, it requires trusting Christ, but it also requires treasuring Christ, treasuring Christ and turning from sin. So we turn from self-reliance, but we also turn from sin. Notice in verse seven, it says, be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord. Now, Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. Proverbs nine, verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. 
So, so let's unpack this a little bit of, of just thinking through treasuring Christ. Um, th- th- it starts with this, this fear of God. And it's not a fear that like comes from a horror movie. It's, it's a fear that comes from encountering greatness or holiness or awesomeness or this majesticness, right? It's this, it's this sense of, of, of trembling before Mount Everest, but wanting to climb Mount Everest. There, there's a sense of, of treasuring God. It's, it, it, listen, listen, horror movies causes a, a, a certain fear, but holiness captivates. And God desires for fear of him is really an invitation to have faith in him, to humble yourself, to run to him, and to turn from sin. To, to turn from evil ways, to turn from those things that put his son on the cross. And so when you treasure something, when you treasure something, you think about it. When you, when you treasure something, you have a love for it. It, it. it moves into your heart to where you constantly think through it. You've already thought about it five or six times during this message. Right? You, it, it, you wake up thinking about it. Right? And for many of us in our culture and time, it's, it's a little device right? that consumes our world, that we're treasuring maybe who's following or who's liked something or who's text me, right? and it consumes us. And when you treasure anything other than God, it's going to clog your heart up the way I-95 got backed up this week. Right? I-95 this week, Logging truck, logging truck hit four bridges. I've just got to ask the question. Like after you hit one, shouldn't you like pull over? He hit four bridges on I-95. And ultimately they had to just shut down for 10 hours, redirect traffic to go up the hill, over the hill and back down, having to repair that bridge is not even usable now for for the next 30 to 60 days. They got to repair the whole thing. It's a 50 year old bridge. And what happens, right? I-95 backed up, right? Some of you maybe were on that road rejoicing, right? right? I mean, just back, back to, this, this is what happens when we treasure things more than God. Our heart begins to just get backed up, clogged up, right? There's angst, right? You, you, you interview some of those people in the car, ah, frustrations through the roof, right? Gas is running out, got to go to the bathroom. I mean, all, all kinds of stuff happening, right? And this is what happens. It happens to the heart, right? Or there's, there's times when maybe there's only two things going on in your life and you're just all in it and it's all about those only two things. It's like a rocket ship, but you don't even know where it's going. Oh, you're flying down 95, but no, des- no destination at all, right? And, and when you treasure Christ, when you treasure Christ, there's a pathway, there's a destiny to go. And notice what happens in verse eight. It's fascinating. He says, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. This is the same language of Acts chapter three that says, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of of the Lord. No, listen, listen, Providence. 
let's unpack this flesh and bones, right? Is this, is this a physical healing? Is this a promise for just a, a physical healing? No, I think Hebrew language talks of the totality of the person in a sense. There's also a promise that is found in the resurrection uh, at the end time of, of where the body will be made new. No more knee pains or back pains or cancer or anything. It's, there is gonna be a, a, a wholeness there. But I think there's first and foremost a spiritual healing that can be refreshing to the soul, refreshing to the mind, refreshing to the body even. I love the way Jesus even addresses this, this healing, right? Because sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. But one of the times he did was in Mark chapter two, one of my favorite passages in the Bible where you've got these four guys that are friends with a guy who's paralyzed and the guy that's paralyzed is on a stretcher and they're trying to get him in front of Jesus, trusting in Jesus to maybe bring healing. And so so they come to the house and as they're at the house, they can't get in. Jesus is in the center of the room, but they can't get to him, right? So they're, they're... innovative, creative. And so they climb up on top of the house, right? And, and as they do, they're, they're starting to, to move the dirt. Those houses were made with mud and, 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 and uh, leaves and, and grass and stuff. So, so they can pull that stuff back. And as they're pulling it back, right? And they think if you're on a, if you're on a stretcher, they're not going to lower you down like this in the stretcher. So in a small hole, they're probably digging a hole that's big enough for a full body stretcher to go down in front of him. They're going to lower him down in front and they lower him down in front of Jesus. The room's packed. And as they're lowering him down, right? Jesus looks at him and the first, now you've been paralyzed for years after years, right? And and you think maybe somebody can heal me. And, And the first words out of his mouth is your sins are forgiven. Jesus, man, just a, I can't walk. I haven't been able to walk. And Jesus, first thing he says, your sins are forgiven. Well, then he says, oh, get up and walk and take your mat, right? Now, why, why, here's a question I ask when I read that text, why that order? Because seemingly on the outside, the greatest need that he had was to be able to walk. Yet Jesus in that moment shows, I think, all of humanity that the greatest need that we have is to be forgiven of our sins. And then he proves, because if Jesus says it, now we're there, right? We see that and he says that. We, don't, we can't see that with our eyes. That's a spiritual transaction in a sense that's taking place in the heavenlies in some way when your sins are forgiven, right? I can't see that when he says that, but, but I can see someone who can get up and walk that hasn't walked. And so I think he does the, the, the second miracle to prove the first one was true. And, and to think about it, right? I've had three knee surgeries and it took about six weeks to rehab that thing and get back to just walking. Think, I, if you haven't walked for years and years, you, you, you think a little rehab first, get the muscles working, ligaments, and then maybe six weeks you walk. And Jesus says, get up and walk. And Instantly, everything worked. And I think what he's saying is, when I say your sins are forgiven, they are forgiven. Like that. Because of what he's accomplished on the cross. Oh, listen, this morning, receiving God's wisdom, right? It's, it's trusting him. It is treasuring him. It is turning from self-reliance. It is turning from sin.
And so how, how do we then put this into practice? Well, really quick, let me give you five applications. They start with the letter P, easy to maybe remember. Here we go. Number one, how do you, you, you receive it, right? Now, this is the person who's received it, those who trust and treasure. So, so now how, how do I go about making it? I've got a big decision this week. So how do I go about discerning and grant, getting God's wisdom on this particular decision? Well, I think it starts with the person of God. We center our life on Jesus, right? This picture, I'll show you of the sun. You think about the sun. Most of the times we say, man, the, the sun rises in the east. It sets in the west. That's actually not true, right? We're moving, <laughs> The sun's at the center. And, and, and so each planet is ordered rightly and orbits around that which is at the center so that they don't fly into massive confusion and chaos. And so if, if you order your life around the centrality of Jesus and, and each of the planets, right? Each of the planets of your life, relationship, marriage, parenting, vocation, hobbies, whatever they are, right? They're gonna orbit, I think, rightly, correctly, in a way that you're able to not be clogged up like I-95 and be able to discern and make a decision. The second is this, is the principles of God, right? Let's channel our decisions through God's word. We've become so familiar with certain passages that we take them for granted. Oftentimes when the alarm goes off right out in the parking lot, no one's running, right? We just say, oh, we always think of it as a malfunction first. But, but, but we've got to come to God's word and be attentive to his spirit and his word and channel these decisions through the word. That's, there's, a, there's also prayer to God, right? So there's the person of God, principles of God, prayer to God. Let's commune. Let's commune with God in prayer. Let's commune with him. Let's, let's not just pray for a meal. No, listen, let's pray. Let's set a time, maybe early morning. Early morning. I'm, just, I'm just getting up um, and, and it's just times of just talking to God, walking with him, just enjoying him, laying out, praying for my, my wife and my kids and, and the day and the church and, and, and the staff and just loving, enjoying what God's doing at Providence. These, these are things that you could be praying through and to be able to think through, even journaling some of these things. The fourth one is the people of God. So let's, let's connect with God's people in community to receive counsel. Let's connect with God's people in community to receive counsel. And the way we've set that up is, is life groups here at Providence. They're amazing opportunities where you do life with each other, pray for each other. And then as you've got decisions that are coming up, right, you, you're going to share that some of those requests and they're going to pray for you. You're going to pray for them. And then you're, you're, there's someone maybe in, in your life group that's experienced something that you're going through and they've got counsel, they've got wisdom. Uh, just, it, it's an amazing thing how God uses his people to help each other to make informed, wise decisions. Proverbs 15, 22 says, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. And then the last is peace from God. The peace from God. Let's consider the peace of God as a gift of confirmation. Now, let me make sure I'm clear here, right? Because sometimes um, I've had people that I'm counseling or giving some trying to help give wisdom to. And they'll say, man, this, I had this incredible experience and I've got this feeling. It's just this peaceful, easy feeling, right? Uh, inside. And, and, and I think that, that's what I gotta do. And I, and I said, well, have, have you prayed about it? Have, you, is it? have you looked through God's word? Have you talked to anybody else about it? How does Jesus feel about this? Right? And so, so 
so this grid here, um, it, it's more to it, yes, um, but, but it's not less. And, and, and what I mean by that is this, is you can't take just one of these uh, and then be able to try to really press in and make, make a decision to, 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 with wisdom. It's like, it's like my daughter this week, she made some uh, peach muffins. And so she's in there, she's got, she's got the, the, the apron on and she's got all the ingredients laid out and, and she's putting them all together. Well, if I just come up to the flour and eat the flour by itself, not gonna go well. <laughs> but, but as that is mixed with all these others and then baked, come out, I actually stole some from her. They were so good, right? So it's a confession there, right there, confession. But, but they were so good. But this is the, this is the way making decisions. How do, how do we do it, right? Like, yes, there is a peace that comes, but it comes as you're praying and as you're reading God's word and as you're centering your life on Jesus. This is, this is what happens. And so Philippians 4 says it like this as we close. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Listen, trusting him, treasuring him, being able to receive wisdom from God, and then walking through these things, centering your life on God and channeling your decisions and communion with him and connecting with him and then considering this peace from God that comes as an affirmation to live a life that's wise, not only wise, but good and for his glory. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your kindness to us, God. Thank you for the opportunity to to open your word, to walk through your word, have your word walk through us. And God, I pray that um, as we live in a culture that shouts a certain way to live, as we go into the Barnes and Nobles of our day and there's so many self-help books and books that are promoting, this is a wise way to live. God, would you turn our eyes to the book and to the one who 1 Corinthians says is the power of God and the wisdom of God, Jesus himself. God, would you help us to be a people, to be a people that would live in this way, marked by love, yes, marked by a love for the Savior, love for each other, but also marked as a people who are wise in the way we discern and decide. God, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.